It's the shared eye roll when the boss overuses that one annoying phrase. The camaraderie of grabbing lunch together at the same time, at the same place, every day. And the safety of knowing someone always has your back in a meeting. Do you have a colleague that you're closer to than all the rest? So close, in fact, that you finish one another's sentences. You have so many in-jokes that others can't follow your conversation. And from whom you're basically inseparable. Well, my friend, you have a work wife. Or husband. Let's say work spouse. Like Liz Lemon and Jack Donaghy, Christina Yang and Meredith Grey, like Alan Shaw and Denny Crane, and of course, good old-fashioned Scully and Mulder. You have your person, without whom your normally very enjoyable job would basically be unbearable. My name's Jamila Risby, host of the Future Women podcast, and this episode is Till 5pm, Do Us Part. More women have the opportunity to drive change. If someone says, I'm not a feminist, I ask, what is your problem? We must do better. So I want all the girls watching here and now to know that a new day is on the horizon. I think they're just an emotional foundation to lean on and a bit of a sounding board. So whenever you have a frustration, you can go grab a coffee with them and just sound them out. Um, Sometimes your problems seem a lot smaller after speaking to them. She's only here four days a week, so those four days I'm a lot happier. I'm definitely more productive when she's around because she knows me well enough to tell me when to shut up and get back to work. I rely on Vicky for almost everything, work-wise, parenting-wise, marriage-wise. She's my go-to chick. I feel like Charlie is on my team. The term workwife dates all the way back to 1929, when it was assumed that men needed wives for the office, the same way they needed a spouse to look after them at home. Gross, right? Even in the relatively more recent world of Mad Men, the Peggy Olsons and Joan Holloways of the world were never supposed to be mates with their bosses or colleagues. They were there as spousal stand-ins for the Don Drapers and Roger Sterlings of the world. Not equals, but helpers. More recently, though, the term workwife has made an enormous comeback, and it's come to mean something quite different. Now the term relates to your best buddy at the office. It's an egalitarian relationship that's born out of the enormous amount of time we all spend at work, and the need to have that one special person the person who's got your back. The ideal that all human beings have worth and dignity. A person who understand that clearly during my time in office was our dear friend Condoleezza Rice. I'm proud to call her friend, I was proud to call her Secretary of State, and I am proud to welcome her back to Dallas. Madam Secretary. In our country, at least, the first time that it kind of moved into um, popular press was when a writer was describing then President George W. Bush, Bush's relationship with Condoleezza Rice. And he traced the the term work spouse to an Atlantic essay from the mid 80s. But I would say in the last 10 years, it's really kind of made an explosion both in popular news sources, so CNN, Wall Street Journal, those kinds of things, um, but then also in scripted shows like Grey's Anatomy and in talk shows, it's really popular here. And so I think that people have kind of glommed onto this idea 
um, because it's it's language that describes a unique kind of relationship. It's more than just a, a best friend at work. That was Chad McBride. He's an American researcher who studies this phenomenon and just how much the concept of a work spouse has changed since the days when it was just about powerful blokes taking advantage of their secretaries and usually for sex. We're trying to understand why this has emerged lately or why has it changed over time? And I think a lot of it is because the boundaries between work and home have blurred a lot, both with um, just the time spent at work. We spend a lot more time at work than we used to, but then also with all of our smart devices, there's not a clear distinction between work time and personal time. And so it makes this kind of relationship more obvious or, uh, you know, people can, can appreciate how relationships can blur a lot more than we used to in the workplace. Kate Lever is the author of a brilliant book called The Friendship Cure. Her literal job is to research and write about friendship. She's spoken to pairs of mates all over the planet. And she says that the relationship we have at work is becoming increasingly important to our lives and may also be beneficial to how we do our actual jobs. Our relationships at work are becoming more important than ever, partly because I think we've allowed our work lives to infiltrate our personal lives. We are available 24-7 via our smartphones or our emails or our Twitter accounts, and we've kind of allowed our work to interrupt the time we might usually have with the people we care about in our personal lives. So I think the only way we can remain sane and good at our jobs is to build in a little bit of personal satisfaction into our work environments. That might seem like a foreign idea to baby boomers or people of a particular age who've been raised to think that you have to be very stoic and very professional at work. But I think we need to redefine that idea of professionalism and include a bit of intimacy and softness and vulnerability. Um, Actually, a lot of people think that having a friend at work might be distracting, that it would reduce your productivity. Whereas actually, there's a great study that comes from Gallup, which is now sort of infamous because it was so influential, um, that proves that friends actually increase our productivity at work. It's a word that comes to us by way of the old high German luba from the Latin lubere, meaning to be pleasing. So I'm going to use this word to describe how I feel about you in the way that our Anglo-Saxon forefathers would have used it in reference to, say, uh, a hot bowl of bear meat or your enemy's skull split. I love you too, Jack. That's Jack Donaghy and Liz Lemon from 30 Rock reminding us that work relationships matter. Most of us spend at least eight hours a day, five days a week at work. It's not unusual to spend more time with your work colleagues than it is with your family or romantic partner. These relationships increasingly shape who we are and what we're about. They dictate our place in the world and how comfortable we feel in it. So why is it that we humans have this need to find allies or comrades at work? And why do we find it so hard to keep the socialising out of hours? And is it a problem? We've learned to tie up our work performance with our self-esteem and assess our moral worth based on success in a professional environment. And I think for all of those things, we need to have a companion. We need to have at least one ally in whom we can confide, 
um, with whom we can debrief, with whom we can even gossip if, as long as it's sort of harmless and doesn't hurt other people. I think it's really important to be able to meet someone at the biscuit tin at 3 p.m. and have a really good chat. Incorporating friendship and personal relationships into our work during worked hours is incredibly important. Um, and I'm, I'm not talking about networking. I'm not talking about the kind of awkward event where you wear name tags and you exchange professional favors and it's all about a sort of self-serving motivation. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being genuinely vulnerable with people because essentially friendship is an exchange of vulnerabilities and we, we don't allow people at work to see the real person that we are. Then we're sort of cutting ourselves off. We're making ourselves incomplete as a person and we're sort of we'll end up being more our stoic work self and stifling our personal self. Chad McBride says that the work-spouse relationship requires a certain set of conditions and that people have to possess particular qualities for it to really work. Interestingly, he doesn't think work-spouses necessarily have to have the same kind of job. In fact, sometimes it can even be helpful if they don't. So they have a good character, they're caring, they're intelligent, they have a good work ethic, they have a good sense of humor. Humor is really important. And then there were conditions for the work-spouse relationship to emerge. So they had something in common. There was similarity. But also what was interesting is that there was complementarity. So oftentimes people talk about their work-spouse being good at different things. And so you can really maximize your time at work um, and make each other look better because you can you know, you can play to each other's strengths. And so those were important conditions. Um, but others talked about loyalty, the importance of honesty, um, the importance of being open to criticism. So not just that I trust you, um, but that, you know, you're willing to hear me say some hard things about you and vice versa, that I trust that you would tell me something I need to hear. And that's another benefit of, you know, having this relationship in the workplace. You know, a lot of times we don't know who we can trust or are they really telling me the truth? And so that, that becomes really important. A work spouse doesn't even have to be someone of the opposite sex. In fact, for many of us, the work spouse needs to share a gender for the relationship to do what it needs to do. Some of my best mates have been women that I first met and forged a really close bond with as colleagues. I think it's important to take the time to tell the people you love how much you love them while they can hear you. I love you, Christina Yang. Meredith Grey and Christina Yang from Grey's Anatomy are a far cry from the stereotype that women are one another's worst enemies in the office. Many of us have and need a bestie at work, without whom we simply wouldn't get through the day. The there's only room for one woman idea has been firmly trampled and our work buddy has become integral to our enjoyment of what we do. And yet still, we don't give the same status to workplace relationships and friendships that we do to other relationships in our lives. We keep underestimating this. We can also be a little wary of a workplace friendship. It's almost like it's not appropriate or it's an indicator that we're not actually working very hard and mucking around at work. But Kate Lever says that in reality, that couldn't be further from the truth. I think we've been trained to think that we have to be a certain way in the office and that being friendly or companionable or depending on someone for sort of companionship at work might somehow be weak 
I think it's along the same lines of people thinking that vulnerability is weak, whereas actually it's a sign of great strength. I think we have a tendency to think of work relationships in a lesser sense than the ones we make outside of work. And I think this is really interesting and potentially wrong. We sort of think of friend relationships as being circumstantial, as being convenient, as being something that we do almost out of desperation so that we have a friend at work. But I think it's entirely possible to meet genuine friends and make really important personal connections at work. I mean, we're okay, for instance, with the idea that most of us meet our significant other in a work environment. We've been fine with that for many, many years. Um, It's kind of become urban legend that you meet the person you're going to marry in a work situation. And we're fine with that kind of blurring of the lines between professional and personal. But for some reason, we have this lingering idea that the friends we make at work are somehow less significant to us than the ones we make in other situations. But of course, it makes sense that we're going to be compatible with people we work with. So if a work spouse is such a sensational thing, both for our happiness and for our productivity, then how do you go about acquiring one? Being open to relationships in the workplace is is the first step. And then seeing, you know, who emerges, who do you click with, um, and then being really protective of that relationship. I asked Chad McBride about how to keep a work spouse relationship healthy, especially when things get rocky at work. I wondered if a work spouse relationship is threatened by turmoil in a workplace, like during a large number of redundancies or a high turnover of staff, or an uncertain economic environment. And he told me that actually, work relationships are strengthened during those difficult times. A work spouse is someone who understands your fears and anxieties about the challenges you've got in the office, in a way that nobody else in your life really can. In a toxic environment, you can never quite know who to trust. Often there are shifting loyalties or questions about people's motivations. And in a work-spouse relationship, those are things that are kind of off the table. You know, a work-spouse is somebody that you really trust. You know that they're loyal to you. And so it, it kind of helps you navigate some of those other things. And you have another set of eyes and ears of, well, what did you hear people say about this? You know, and so you can kind of have another perspective on how to read a situation. The key to a functional work-spouse relationship is definitely trust. Trust that your mate has your back in every working situation. A level of healthy competition between you is fine, but it has to be on fair terms, terms that are well understood by both of you. And in that sense, it's not really all that different to any other relationship with someone that you love and care about. Ultimately, the work spouse idea does come down to human connection. We're programmed to be social beings, to find common ground and to relate to one another. And when we don't, we can feel really, really lonely. It's an evolutionary need that we have to find companions in any given situation. So it makes sense that we have work friends. And it's so important and it's so good for our jobs. And yet, so few of us actually have best friends at work. I was really shocked in my research for my book, The Friendship Cure, I came across this study by Total Jobs, which is a company in the UK that does a lot of data to do with workplace environments. And they found that just 17% of people surveyed said they had a best friend at work. I found that really shocking because that is a huge majority of people who don't know what it's like to have a friendship at work. 
And I think it's so important to do that. I mean, of those people who do have friendships, they really know the value of friendships. Perhaps my favorite statistic that I came across during research was that of the people who have best friends at work, 23% of them would consider quitting their job if their best friend left. And 7% of them would consider it a genuine bereavement, which I think is really, really fantastic, a little bit dramatic, but I think it's really indicative to us of just how important those friendships at work can be if you're fortunate enough to find them. If you cannot get enough of this kind of conversation, then you can join us in the Future Women community. Just head to futurewomen.com and become a member. It is super, super cheap and super, super easy. Seriously, for the cost of two coffees a month, you can join us for part of what is a really special conversation. You can find our podcasts on iTunes or wherever you get your wonderful podcasts in your ears. And while you're there, please take the time to rate and review us. And why not give us sneaky five stars? 